Check my statistics If we talking about go, You gotta give me a mention This is rational hour If we being realistic This is rational They said I couldn't do it But I did it work Ethic like mom But you know that boy is a problem Tell me when to get him Then I got him This is rational hour I'm just keeping it a honey This is rational hour Everything you doing I done done it Welcome to the Rational Hour with Ryan. Today we have an NFL vet in the building, one of the most dynamic NFL players of all time, ladies and gentlemen. Nine years in the league, all-time leader in Kansas City Chiefs team history and all-purpose yards, the X-Factor, the human joystick, Mr. Dante Hall. Welcome to the show, sir. How you doing today? I'm doing great, man. But hey, let me tell you something. You can call me the X-Factor. You kind of started it out, man, from Madden to, to Tecmo Bowl. You was that dude, man, when it came to special teams, man. Uh, just what, are, what did you think about getting that honor, man, as one of the NFL Network being one of the greatest return man top ten of all time? I mean, I just thought it was, you know, one of the best accolades one could receive because um, that particular one comes from the players, you know, um, mm-hmm. that voting system. Um, comes from directly from some of the all-time greats mm-hmm. um, and some of the all-time great uh, media people too as well. So um, it's humbling for sure. And it just validates all the hard work that went into my career from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Now, Dante, you grew up in, in H-Town in the South, man, Houston. Um, Thinking back at your life, uh, what were some of the decisions that you made that you're glad you made and some of the ones you're glad you didn't make? Well, to be honest with you, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking or talking to someone, I feel like, at the Chiefs game last week about this. It wasn't so much that I made right or wrong decisions. It was just that I was fortunate to grow up where I grew up. Um, You mentioned I grew up in Houston, Texas, down in the south, and that is football heaven. And then the particular district that I played in um, had so many guys before me, after me, and as well as while I was playing that um, went on to go to D1 and to the pros. So what I've realized as I got older and reflected back was each step of the way, starting in junior high, high school, even in college, I was always being groomed to play at the next level because the competition around me pretty much had uh, future pro athletes, future D1 athletes. So it was like, you know, iron was sharpening iron. And by the time I got to the league, to to be honest with you, that might have been the easiest level for me. Now, the adjustments in the NFL was different, but the competition, by the time I made it to the NFL, I had seen the best of the best at every level. So Mm. I was just fortunate throughout my life to always have been uh, playing against the best, practicing mm. against the best. Now, talk to our audience about just, you know, Friday Night Lights, Texas high school football. I know you went to, um, is it Nimitz High School? Yeah, Nimitz, like the like the uh, old general, Chester W. Nimitz. Oh, Nimitz, okay. Yep. And, Nimitz I, and legendary school. Coach Burris, uh, uh, Simon 
uh, you guys had a rivalry, I believe, with Eisenhower. Can you talk about just the atmosphere of Texas football and, and what it was like for you playing in, in the mid-90s? Yeah, so, um, like, again, I didn't realize that how big that was to be playing in front of 20,000 every Friday mm-hmm. night, packed stadiums everywhere you go. Um, it wasn't until I moved out to California when I was retired and started coaching at some of the private schools out there. And, you know, California has, has decent football, but mm-hmm. that's when I realized, oh, man, Texas high school football is a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up in that atmosphere, and like you said, being coached by the legendary high school coach, uh, Bernard Simon, um, you know, I'm going up against guys, Aaron Glenn, who is now the defensive coordinator for the Detroit Pistons, uh, all-pro cornerback, played for the um, New York Jets. His brother, Aaron Glenn, also made it to the pros. Quentin Griffin, running back for the Denver Broncos. Um, Michael Clay. I can go 10 guys just in my era that went pro or made it to D1. And so growing up, the competition was was crazy, man. Everyone was good. Um, and then you go over to the Eisenhower side, you had a lot of guys over there that ended up going pro as well, as well as uh, D1. So um, those those guys at Eisenhower really groomed us. And I can't forget Alding, Alding uh, High School as well. A lot of great athletes came through those high schools. If you go do your research from 96 to 2000, you will see just what I'm talking about. Now, Dante, you talked about that. You know, I'm from Cali, man. We pretty much are the same age. California football is no joke. Texas football is no joke. They started the Shrine game, I believe, your senior year where Texas All-Stars are playing California All-Stars. You remember that? I remember the Shrine game, yes, but not quite sure, familiar with um, when they started it. But I definitely okay. remember the Shrine game for sure, yes. Oh, okay. I know my um, a guy out here my senior year was causing havoc, one of your teammates, Sir Parker. Oh. What was your relationship like with him in the backfield at Texas? So, you know, that that's my guy now. But, you know, the competition <laughs> was a little, you know, a little heavy while we were there. So we wasn't enemies obviously because we were teammates but now now that we're grown men and you know we got children of our own and we're more mature um mm-hmm. we can appreciate our time together but yeah man he he went a year before me so okay. he kind of made his name a year before i got there and he was supposed to take over when leland McElroy left right here comes this little 5a kid from houston mm-hmm. and uh i ended up getting the starting night my sophomore year, my junior year, and he kind of was pushed to the back. So it, it was good, friendly competition. It was, you know, mm-hmm. we got into one heated little thing one time. But other than that, it was mm-hmm. good, friendly competition. He was able to go on to do great things. I was able to go on to do my thing. But uh, the competition was was serious, man. Of yeah, you guys, you guys had a crowded backfield, man, and we just did. a good, good team overall. What was camp like? Coming in 96, you know, your first year at AM, you guys went six and six. You were big 12 freshman of the year. First game, big game with high powered offense with Steve Sarkeesian. Um, how was that adjustment coming from high school and stepping on uh, to AM? Dude, that's a great question, Ryan, because um, that was actually the biggest adjustment throughout my entire 
football career. High school to college is by far the biggest adjustment. College to pros, not so much. It's more adjusting to things off the field, adjusting to the fact that it's a business. But skill-wise, competition-wise, um, that high that jump from high school to uh, college was serious. But like I said, growing up in Houston, playing in 21-5A at, at Aldine Nimitz, going against Eisenhower's and the Umbles and the Aldines, it helped that transition uh, occur a lot faster. As you mentioned, I was able to play my first year as a true freshman. Dude, I was 17 years old the first wow. three or four games out there playing against grown men, 21, 22. These dudes got fear, full beards, full mustache, looking like somebody's uncle. And um, But I was able to make that adjustment just because of my experiment back in Houston. It was It was definitely an experiment for sure. Um, now, your recruiting process, did R.C. Slocum kind of seal the deal to get you to land at A&M, or were you considering going to Oklahoma, Texas, or any of the other schools down south? Actually, um, it was my high school coach that sealed the deal. Um, hmm. My high school coach, Bernard Simon, actually played at Texas A&M in the early 80s, I think from 80 to 85, under um, R.C. Slocum as a defensive coordinator. So he had the relationship with Coach Slocum. And once Coach Slocum became the head coach, that was kind of what led me to AM. Uh, my high school coach had a relationship with him. Um, he had said if I went to Texas AM, I would have a chance to play early as a freshman, which was important to me. And that was what led me to um, Texas AM. Okay. Uh, when you get to uh, Texas AM, how much was the weight room, you know, hard for you to adjust to? A lot of players I know, the the weight room just goes to another level when they go from, like you said, high school to college. I mean, you got the training mill. You, you, know, you got to have film. It's so much more regimented when you're in high school. How was that adjustment as far as getting your body right? So, once again, I was very fortunate. Like I just mentioned, uh, Bernard Simon, my high school coach, you know, he had been through that. So he implemented a weight, no, what did he call it? Strength conditioning or weight training. It was a strength conditioning or weight training competition program. Mm. And he made us lift heavy. He made us run track. Mm -hmm. So once I got to AM, I was already um, used to hitting the weight room heavy, competing in the weight room and not just on the field. Mm. And we had, we had um, guys that actually competed. Uh, I forget what they call it, but it was like a competition where you would go around and see who could deadlift the most, who could power clean the most, and things like that. So that was implemented my junior year in high school. So oh, the weight room was a big part of our program in high school. So when yeah. I got to Texas A&M, it was just, you know, what, what was, I had been used to doing already. Okay, okay. Now running back, um, you, know, you know, being at Texas A&M, man, it's, it was – something that it had to be an adjustment for you at all as far as at the college level hitting the holes and, and knowing how to block. A lot of running they, backs were blocking. You just hit it on the head, the blocking yeah. part. You uh -huh. put the ball in my hand, that, that was always natural to me, no, no matter what level. It was the picking up the blitzes, using yeah. the right technique, especially as a little guy, mm -hmm. putting enough weight on that 
um, I could take on these big linebackers, but also not lose my speed. That was the hardest and biggest adjustment for me. Mm, okay. Your time at AM, you guys had some great teams. I mean, your, your whole career, you guys were always in a bowl game. UCLA Cotton Bowl, Ohio State Sugar Bowl. You know, you guys upset Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. Um, such a great career. Are there any bowl games or games stand out to you? Oh, yeah, the Sugar Bowl by far. Um, mm. That was my junior year. It was the mm. biggest bowl we played in. Um, we played against Ohio State. We had a, a tremendous team at the time. Um, it was in New Orleans. That was um, the biggest game I ever – well, maybe the Big Tour Championship, but that bowl, that Sugar Bowl against Ohio State in New Orleans was probably the biggest game I played in in college. Okay. Yeah, that's the game. You had a 75-yard run to open the first quarter, right? Didn't you in the first quarter? I had a couple of big runs. I had a huge, uh, huge first quarter. Scored a touchdown, had a couple yeah. of big runs. Um, and then we fell behind and started throwing the damn ball. So kind of took me out of the game in the second half. But mm -hmm. Now, 2000, you, you leave in A&M. And what was your preparation like for your pro day leading up to the combine and that whole situation coming up for the draft in April? So, um, again, I, I, here's a, sticking to the theme of being fortunate. Mm -hmm. There was this guy by the name of Mike Clark who was there at the time. And this guy uh, was a genius when it came to training guys and getting them ready. He was so good that the Seattle Seahawks eventually hired him and he had a long stint with them. So mm -hmm. that was my strength training coach. Again, fortunate to have guys with expertise, knowledge, know-how, to be grooming me and training me for um, one of the biggest days of my life. And dude, I, I, I had a great uh, combine, great pro day. And I give a lot of credit to the NM strength uh, and training staff because <laughs> compared to other guys that were there, either they just didn't train hard, didn't take it serious or what, but I definitely, um, I've signed a lot of guys that I shouldn't have as far as number of bench press reps, my vertical leap, my 40 time, my shuttle times. And, uh, yeah, we, we just had great training that helped me, um, go out and, you know, show that even though I was small, I was strong, even though I was yeah. small, I was lightning quick and fast. So your, um, your 40, Dante, was you in a 429 at the at the combine? No, or was no, that your pro no, day? You get off the internet, bro. Get off the internet. I, I ran a 442. <laughs> I ran a 442 okay. at the combine and a 438 uh, at my pro day. Oh, gosh. Gotcha, the gotcha. thing is, most people don't realize is that the uh, combine, you use this thing called AccuTrack, where you actually put your hand on this digital pad, and as soon as you move it, you take off. Mm -hmm. or, or the time starts, starts rapid. Um, and that's a pro day, it's just all hand clocks. Okay, so Ooh. my Ooh. uh, and then the other thing also is you're in Indianapolis, it's cold, you're in that dark dome. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I didn't warm up properly or what, but when you're down in Texas AM, that track is a lot faster, it's a lot hotter, you're gonna be uh, you know, lubed up a little better. So I ran a much better pro time, um, at uh, Texas AM pro day. Oh, okay, so. At the combine, it's more of a slicker track compared to the heat in and uh, Yeah, at the combine, you know, you're in that dome. It's cold. Yeah. The, uh, the grass is was a little thicker. I'm not sure how it is now. That's just how it was when I was there. It was that right. field turf. 
So yeah, it's yeah. a little different than AstroTurf. You know, okay. AstroTurf, you fly. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that turf, you know, it's a little thicker, so it's gonna slow you down. It's like running the grass a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you guys train as a unit? I know you guys had a couple guys coming out with you from AM, like Jason Webster, Chris Cole, Shane Leckler. Um, were you guys preparing as a unit or you guys kind of did your own thing? So I actually got kicked off the team about two mm. two games ago. So I was training by myself. They had kicked me off a, off the team, Coach Slocum did, but allowed me to uh, stay in school, finish my degree, and continue using the facilities to work out. I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it with the team. Now they really was tripping off them parking tickets. I read that. Yeah, I know they they, they, they they was were going really hard. tripping off the parking tickets, but it really wasn't even the parking tickets. It, the parking tickets was just the tip of the iceberg. You know what I mean? Oh, word. Okay. It was. The way I handled him, the way I talked back and basically shouted and cursed him out when he got on to me during a team meeting about it. So he was just telling me, you know, he was sick and tired of the parking people um, coming up to him, talking about tickets. My thing was, dude, there's two games left in my senior year. You waiting now? Sophomore, junior? Senior year was no problem, but now it's two games left. The season is not going. So I feel like I felt like he was trying to use me as a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he ended up, we had a meeting the next day. Coach Stokin came down. I mean, Coach Bernard Simon came down. My mom came down. We had a great talk. He realized that wasn't the time and place to do that. And I definitely should not have uh, uh, came back at him the way I did in front of the team. And that's oh, why – he allowed me to stay on scholarship, finish my degree, keep working towards the degree because he felt that he was wrong and I was definitely in the wrong. We both were in the wrong. You know, it was just the season didn't go quite how we planned. And what had happened was he um, – I didn't even make the trip. I was injured that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the team had went and got blown, got the brakes beat off of them in Oklahoma. And I guess they were flying back on the plane, partying, having a good time like they had worn. So he came in mad at that and was just kind of house cleaning, like, this is messed up, that's messed up, this. And then he just, out of nowhere, called me out on the parking, and I didn't take it too well. Oh, so it just kind of just – Yeah, it's one of those things, man. Yeah. Everybody was on edge. Everybody was heated. Season didn't Mm -hmm. go well. Just came up one of the worst losses in them history. He felt embarrassed, had the boosters on the plane. The guys were partying and, you know – back causing a ruckus on the plane. So that was the initial thing he was heated over. And he just started going over everything. And I it's felt like, dude, like, are you serious right now? But yeah. yeah hindsight, I should have just ate that, took that on the chin and, and, and uh-huh. kept quiet. You know, that's what you do when a leader of the team is talking. You just eat You're young, though, man. You're young. You're, so, um, when you think back at it, are you glad you signed with AM? Oh, 100%. 100%. Because – that school not only allowed me to play right away, but allowed my mom to come to all the games. It was right down the street from Houston. Um, the, the type of offense that we ran showcased my skills, would allow me to, you know, um, showcase my skills for the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, AM was a big football powerhouse tradition. And at the time, AM was, uh, that was the inaugural season of the Big 12. So we were on TV mm-hmm. night. Eight out of twelve games, national TV. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in hindsight, man, my overall experience at AM was great. I, I love my school. Glad I chose to go there. Um, if I had do to they, do it all do they, again, I'd do they, again. Do they really push the military thing, or that's kind of just a separate entity? Oh, oh no, that's it's a that's what AM stands agriculture and military. It's a big military school. And so, we go ahead. No, so all students kind of have to fall suit. Not the football team and not the okay. students. No, it's just a military school. That's how it was back in the day. So that's oh, the tradition you. of the school, but it's not mandatory. Okay, okay. I just wasn't sure. I saw what they asked you. That's cool, though, man. I always see that in the crowd, and you know, the twelfth man. You know, they're 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 supposed to be the original twelfth man. You know, the Seahawks and whatnot. But yeah, it's just you know, it just seemed like a real hectic atmosphere just playing at yeah, a lot of tradition, man. A lot of tradition. They love their football, and um. The military is a big part of that school for sure. Okay. We don't even have cheerleaders. We have uh what we call Yale leaders. Oh word. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, we don't even have cheerleaders. Mm. It was a it was a military school oh, in the beginning. Wow. Yep. Now looking um into the draft, Dante, you I know you end up going in the fifth round. What were you hearing leading up to the draft? Did you know where you were gonna go or what teams wanted you the most? So my junior year, I was projected second or third round. I had mm-hmm. IMG uh, recruit me to their agency because I had a great year my junior year. Went 11 and three. I had like 1,100 yards rushing against all the top schools. Um, I put up a, a, a 100 plus, performed well against all the top defenses, all the top ranked schools. So at that time, um, in hindsight, I probably should have came out my junior year. I would have made a lot more money off the, off the rip. Because mm. I, then I decided to go back, you know, finish my degree and make my mama proud and all of that mushy stuff. And then I get hurt my second or third game. I'm pretty much done for the year. I got a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a knee or anything. But if you know anything about a high ankle sprain, mm-hmm. it's worse than a break. You almost rather break your foot because, you know, six to eight weeks, you're coming back. High ankle sprains, they linger forever, like eight mm-hmm. months. So I had that injury, and then I had the situation get kicked off the team. So going into the draft, I really wasn't sure, to be honest. My mom, mm-hmm. she had a draft party, and I was like, man, we're going to get embarrassed. We're not going to get a call. We got all these family and friends here, all this food, man. We're going to get embarrassed. That was kind of my thought. Uh-huh. And but when that phone rung, one of the happiest days of my life. I bet it was, man. Fifth round is a cool spot. I mean, any 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 draft spot. Like I said, if you go into something, think you're not only not going to get drafted. Any no. any position, any yeah. round works. Now, my junior year probably would have had a different feeling. They told me mm-hmm. second and third, and I'm sitting here, and the first day goes by, and I don't get drafted. That would have been a totally different feeling. Uh, who gave you the call? Was uh, was it Mr. Hunt? It was um. Carl Peterson, the oh. president at the time. And then Mr. Hunt got on the phone. Okay. How was um, the first season in the league? You know, they had Gunther Cunningham at the time. Um, they had a couple of veterans. Team was, you know, kind of in the muddling in the middle. I know they had just, I think Warren Moon was a quarterback at the time. How, how was that yeah, first man. year in the league? Uh, it was a rough one, to be honest, man. Um especially off the field because you got so much pressure from your family and your friends. Mm-hmm. 
and then you're you're naive yourself as a player, especially me. You think just because you get drafted, and especially your, especially your family and your friends, they think just because you got all this money, you got all this access, and it's just not like that. You know, as a fifth round draft pick in two thousand, I mean, my signing bonus is fifty thousand. You take the taxes away, I think I walked away with thirty grand. Mm. So. That ain't a lot of money. And then you still got to go make the team. That's the other thing. So, like I said, man, the hardest adjustment in the, to the NFL was off the field. It wasn't the actual football part. But that off the field stuff can distract you to where you can't perform on the field. And that's kind of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. So it was a rough goal my, my rookie year. I almost uh, flamed out right away. Played in the first five games and was inactive the rest of the year. And then, thank the heavens. We got a new coach that believed in me and saw something in me because I think mm. I could have potentially been one and done. Mm. Um, but Coach Vermeil comes in, and um, the rest was history. Yeah, I saw that, man. Uh, so, what was the still the staff with Gunther and Schottenheimer's uh, Kurt Schottenheimer, I believe, was his assistant. Um, what was that staff? Was kind of just didn't seem like the team was believing in no more. It's just time for a change. They drafted me to replace Tameric Vanover, who had got in some trouble the year before I got there. So they drafted me to be the replacement kick returner for them, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the NFL, because of the, you can only have, play so many on game day, even though you return kick, you also have to be the third or fourth guy at a position. Mm-hmm. And my position was running back, but I was too small to play running back in, in the NFL as an every down guy, especially in that system that they had. It was power, two tight ends, two receivers, West Coast, mass mouth, you know, mm-hmm. coming off Christian Okoye style, uh, Barry Ward, those type guys. So I just mm-hmm. – it wasn't a good fit other than special teams. But I wasn't doing my thing on special teams. So mm-hmm. here I am. I, I don't really have a position in this offense that works. I'm not doing my thing on special teams, hence why I got um, – Deactivated for the rest of the year, but but in Coach Ramil's offense, you know it's all about being in space. It's in space, and that that was Did, the difference. That that first year was 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 Warren Moon a quarterback or was it Elvis Gerbeck? What's his name? Uh, Elvis Gerbeck was the uh, there my uh, he was a starter, but Warren Moon was there my first and second year. Okay, and then Gerbeck got hurt. And then Warren Moon became the quarterback. Okay, cool, cool. And now, talk to all your rookie year and transitioning to the NFL Europe. How did that come about and, and that whole thing? I know you were with some, the Scottish Claymores, was it? Yeah, the Scottish Claymores. That was Dick Vermeer's vision. Um, Like I said, thank the heavens, she came in and had a vision, believed in me, saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. He comes in in the offseason after my rookie year, he gives him a call and says, you know, I think you can be Oz King in our offense. Uh, you know, Oz King was the guy that was over with the Rams with him. Mm-hmm. So he saw that in me and was like, we're going to send you to uh, NFL Europe to get you some repetition so you don't just come into a training camp next year, cold turkey, never have played the wide receiver position because it's totally different than yeah. being a running back. So that was one of the best things also that happened to me personally and as far as my football career personally, because it was the first time I really had left 
um, the state of Texas, as you know, because I was in Missouri my rookie year for six months. But other than that, it was pretty much confined to Texas most of my life. So going over there had to, I mean, it broadened my horizons tremendously, as you can imagine, going from playing in Scotland, you over in Amsterdam playing, you're in Barcelona playing, you're in Germany playing. So personally, that just really broadened my horizons big time, opening me up to so many cultures. And then football-wise, being able to go over there during the summer to get reps at a position I had never played, it really benefited me once I came back to training camp because I didn't come in, you know, butt naked, first time doing something, totally a novice. Even though I still was a novice, I had some repetition, game reps as a receiver, how to line up, hearing the call, getting off the ball, catching the ball from different angles, things of that nature. So, Dante, was it hard for you, I mean, being born and raised in the South, kind of, you know, primarily warm weather, you know, your first three years, you're kind of moving around another country and, and cold weather now and playing in, in Kansas City. Was that hard for you to adjust to playing in cold weather? Absolutely. I mean, because <laughs> coming from the South, you might have played one or two games in the cold. And we talking yeah. 40s. But now here I am in Missouri. Man, you got a game. It's zero degrees out there. It's 10 degrees. And as a, as a speedster, I, mm-hmm. I just didn't know the proper – uh, protocol to getting that body ready, you know what I mean? To plan yeah. that kind of weather. So that's what I told you earlier, man, when we started talking, the hardest adjustment was from, you know, high school to, uh, to, to, to college. Okay. Now, your year three, 2002, you kind of put your stamp in the league, in my opinion. I mean, you got 1,800 all-purpose yards, three TDs, your first career touchdown against Arizona, then the next week against the Rams, you had two return, punt return and a kick return. Uh, did you start to feel yourself as far as I can make it in this league at that point? Oh, yeah, definitely. I had actually started before the touchdowns. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me see. My second year in the league, I gained a little bit of confidence. But by 02, um, I, I, I felt comfortable, man. I, I yeah. really did. And that's probably why everything, everything took off for me. Felt comfortable in the offense. And see, that was key. Mm-hmm. Because once I felt comfortable in the offense, the coaches felt comfortable, put me more in the offense. And what happens is now you're in the groove of the game. You're not mm-hmm. like, you're not a pinch hitter, so to speak. You know what I mean? You're not yeah. just out there. You go out to return a kick. For me, coming from being an every down starter as a running back in high school, college, when I got to the pros, that was another thing that was difficult. Now, all of a sudden, I'm just going out here returning kicks. Well, I'm not in the Florida game. I I have no type of rhythm. So once I was able to get comfortable on offense, the coaches got comfortable putting me in the game on offense, running some plays for me, putting the ball in my hands. Now when I go back to return kick, I got a lather. I'm sweating. I got a a feel for the speed of the game. I'm in a groove. It it made all the difference in the world for me. Mm. Now that next year was the year, man. KC went thirteen and three. You balled out, man. I mean, you have four straight weeks of, of touchdowns. Uh, you know, seven TDs. You guys had a thirteen and three record. Um, one thing that was interesting to me is you guys had such a dynamic special teams offense connection. The defense, man. How frustrating was that to have kind of a defense that didn't hold their end with you guys and then have such a dynamic 
other two very parts of the game. Very frustrating because especially knowing that these guys wasn't really taking care of their business off the field. Like the main guys we oh, needed. Right. I ain't going to say any names, but a lot of the guys we needed to, uh, you know, step up, I, I felt like they really wasn't focused and off the field and doing the things that was necessary to win on the field. Um, mm-hmm. It was very frustrating in that sense. Mm-hmm. Now, that game against the Colts, uh, divisional game, it was the – pass attack against the ground attack, you know, great special teams. You had a great game. Um, that was a tough game overall just uh, to, to swallow. Do you feel you guys were prepared for that game? And what happened in that game? Uh, nobody punted. That's what happened. 38 yeah, to 31. Yeah. We scored 31 points and gave up 38 at home at a playoff game on the road coming off a bye week. That's what happened. The defense. And we mm. also had a couple of turnovers on, on offense, but – you got to make a team punt one time. Come on, man, once or twice. Yeah, that's real. You're an yeah. arrowhead, and they don't punt one time? That should mm. tell you everything you need to know right there. Yeah, yeah, that, that surprised me. I mean, even though Peyton Manning is a beast. Man, you got to make him punt. Come gotta, on, <laughs> come on man. Yeah, you yeah. You can't score every time. Like, come on. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. I, um, I have Willie Rofe on, and he was saying the same thing. That was just – one of those games that's hard to swallow. They, they the defense just didn't get it done. It was it was. I mean, tough you got two games at Arrowhead to go to the Super Bowl. Two games. That's it. Mm. And Peyton, as great as he is, we still should have beat him in Arrowhead. We we got to beat him there, and the defense got to make it tough on him. I mean, just just go back and watch that game, man. It was unbelievable the way they marched up and down that field, because we was doing the same thing to them. Yeah. We just had a, a touchdown callback, and Priest had one fumble. But neither mm-hmm. of those should have been the difference in the game. Yeah, yeah. Now, your your next year, Dante, man, it seemed like the league start kicking away from you. You got a, almost half the amount of – not half, but it seemed like about at least 20% less kicks, returns, or punt returns. Were they starting to basically avoid kicking to you at the your next year after that? Oh, yeah, they started doing all kind of um, – Squib kicks, angle yeah. kicks, hanging it up in the air. That was definitely um, a big reason. But the other reason was also, I mean, not to keep pointing at the defense, but if you go look at Devin Hester and the mm-hmm. defense he had mm-hmm. and the opportunities he had versus the defense I had and the opportunities I had. Because what happens is they go hand uh-huh. in hand. If you got a good defense, they're going to stop teams often. They're going to – uh, back teams up. Now when they punt, they punt out of their own end zone. You know what I mean? They're punting from their territory. But when you got a defense like we had, I mean, they're moving the ball almost every time. And if you do happen to stop them, now they're cooking from midfield. You just got a fair catch. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to pin you in. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. So yeah a a kick, kick returner is also, especially a punt returner, mm-hmm. a big part of that has to do with that defense. Yeah, and yeah. I, Hester, I, I think he's the GOAT. But I would like to see what I would have did mm-hmm. if I had that 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 defense that he had. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, man. That's that's the key right there. If, if you, you got the opportunity, you're going to shine. At the, uh, returns. Most of his returns came on punt returns. Yeah, yeah. Look it up. Most of them came on punt returns. The easiest way to score. Mm. I guarantee he probably had double the punt returns that he did kick returns because kick returns are hard. Punt returns is yeah. where, you, where you eat them up at especially with a good defense because, you know, they're going to be kicking from the 20, 20, 35, 30, opposed mm-hmm. to kicking from the 45 and the 50. 
Mm-hmm. That's a big difference, man. Yeah, when you when you return punts, Dante, man, how much of it you you of the punter and as far as fair catching and you know ten yards on a hill. Um, the only all thing those... I'm thinking about the punter is uh, uh, I'm gonna do the homework during the week up. The coaches uh, do a great job of giving you the hang time, their tendencies, where they like to kick if they're on this hash. Ninety percent of the time is gonna go inside the numbers, or if they're on this hash, it's gonna go here. This is the hang time. This is the average punt. All those things help you line up in a precise way to where now all you got to do is focus on catching the ball and reading the coverage team. Okay. So my thing was I'm going to get a line, put myself in a great position, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these gunners. If your gunners don't get down there mm-hmm. and cause me to go lateral, good luck. Mm, I see. Yeah, gunners are the key. If they, gunners yeah. are definitely the key. Yeah. Now, 07, you know, you start getting little nagging injuries. Um, were you surprised at you being traded, first of all, from Kansas City to St. Louis? And and how was your reaction and your embrace being? I know they had Scott, I think, Linehan at the time. Um, what was the difference in culture coming from Kansas City to St. Louis? So – I, I can't say I was surprised by being traded because at that point, you know, I was a vet seven years in. I knew <laughs> they traded Joe Montana, so I knew mm. anybody could be traded. My surprise came from the fact that when Herman Edwards came over, mm. you know, he had put together this leadership committee. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm on a committee, Trent Green, Larry John, all these guys on the committee. Man, the next year he don't he don't ship us all away. <laughs> that wow. was a surprise. Like, hold up, we we thought we were your leadership guys. We're gonna be your vets, and mm. he ended up shipping us all away. So he surprised me more than anything with his action because no heads up, no man to man, no let me we're going in in this direction. None of that. I found out from Coach Vermeer. That was the surprise. Mm. Um, as far as Scott Linehan and the culture. The biggest difference was Kansas City is a football city. St. Louis is a baseball city. Right. So the culture difference was on game day. Mm-hmm. It was just not the same energy, not the same feel, not the same enthusiasm as it is mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Hence why the Rams left St. Louis and went to L.A. That should tell you LA. everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big thing they say, Dante, what Kansas City is just the crowd, man. It's it's so crazy that the home field advantage, you know, when they talk about best home field advantage in the league, Lambeau, KC, you know, they're just it's Seattle, the, the, Pittsburgh. Seattle, Pittsburgh, you know, yeah, the twelfth man always comes to mind. How hard is it um, you know, for opposing teams? Is it is is it you can hear a person next to you? Is it true as it gets that loud? Put it like this. I took some guys. I, I live in the New Jersey, New York area right now. So I got a group of guys I golf with. They always take me out to all the private clubs or whatever. So I returned the favor to them, you know, this past week. They're a New York Giants fan. So I hosted them in K- Kansas City. They had never been to Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. And I actually went and sat in the crowd with them so they can get a feel of what it really feels like. And it was so loud. Dude, the rest would blow the whistle. You couldn't even hear the whistle. Damn. 
And, that's and, all you need to know. Whistles are blowing, you can't hear anything. Mm, that's that's that's, that's a loud. huge advantage, man. Especially with the on top of the cold weather. That's a that's a big thing, man. KC Arrowhead, man, is as tough as it gets. Yeah. Now, what do you think about this year's team, Dante? A lot of talk has been made about they're catching up with Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes is losing his luster. Um, do you think this is kind of just a bump in the road or they, they will get it together? Both bump in the road and they'll get it together. It's a very, very simple um, fix. And the, the, I would say 75% is just stop turning the ball over. As great as Patrick has been in the past, what made him showtime Mahomes uh, was the fact that he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, the dude had 30 touchdowns last year and only six picks. Well, he had six picks in the first two games. So, and, and then they're fumbling all the time all of a sudden. All of a sudden, um, uh, Tyreek, is balls are going off his hands. It's a very simple fix. Every game that we've lost, we lost because of turnovers, not because of talent. Mm-hmm. Now, defense is not where you want it to be, but we also are not helping our defense by turning the ball over four times a game. So, to me, um, the turnovers is 75% of them. And then the other 25%, I think that will also help the team overall, but also help the defense is also in the beginning when Patrick Mahomes came on the scene, we had a hellacious running game. People forget we had Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Peace. And then when he left, we filled him in with uh, uh, Dan uh, uh, Williams, D. Williams, number 31. Yeah, yeah, he was a Super yeah. Bowl MVP to me in the fourth quarter when we won a Super Bowl. Go look at what he did in the fourth quarter against yeah. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He put it work. Now all of a sudden we don't have any presence of a running game. So now on top of teams have caught up to what you're doing. They're doing it, running the shell coverage. They're putting guys two two safeties deep, saying you got to beat us underneath. Well, they can do that because we don't have a threat of a running game. Game, yeah. You don't think they knew we had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey? Uh, Watkins, when we were going deep, the difference was you try to put two guys back, we're going to run it down your throat. We mm-hmm. had we had LaShawn McCoy, we had um, Kareem Hunt, and we had D. Will. Uh, uh, I think his name's Real Williams yeah, at the yeah. time. Now, I love Cl- uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but he's a third down back. He's a, he's a change-up back. He's not an mm-hmm. every down back. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's been the biggest difference. Turnover yeah. and a, uh, no threat of a run game. I was surprised they didn't use Le'Veon last year. They, they kind of gave up on him. Yeah, his style doesn't really fit um, the system. Andy's style. Yeah, it doesn't fit the system. Okay. okay. Who was the greatest um, teammate you ever had, Dante? Skill-wise or personal? Both. Start with just skill-wise, just talent. Skill-wise, Tony Gonzalez. Hmm. Only this dude was unbelievable, man. I just called him the Michael Jordan of football, not because of accomplishment, but because of practice. You know the thing about Jordan? They say he practiced so hard. Mm-hmm. He went so hard in practice. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said that, because I watched this dude day in, day out, no matter if we're winning or losing, practice his fundamentals and his techniques. So, And then you would go watch him in the game. His coming back to the ball, catching with the hands, high pointing ball. Man, this dude worked on that every single day. He made me start stepping up my practice habits as far wow. as the detail to how I would just even, like I said, I know what a kicker's gonna punt it. 
I know the hang time. I know his average distance. I know all these little minutia things that carry over into the game and make for big plays. I got some of that from Will Shields, Tony Gonzalez. Okay, yeah, TG, man, he was a beast. Beast, um, man. He practiced and worked at it every day, always practicing. Wasn't that guy sitting on the sideline? And he could have. Mm-hmm. He could have been that guy. But mm-hmm. that, that wasn't him. So, skill-wise, man, Tony Gonzalez is probably the coldest I've ever seen. I know. As far as coaches, who's the best coach you played for? Dick Vermeer. Dick Vermeer, legend. Hands enough, down. Enough, enough said. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't get no better than him. Everyone is, you know, you kind of hear, kind of echo those same um, sentiments when it comes to Coach Vermeer. Just a real player coach, you know, straight shooter. Straight shooter, exactly. As far as uh, trash talking, Dante. Have you ever had an opposing player that always talked a lot of just along the field or just who you feel like was the player that could get in players' heads that was a good corner that you faced? Uh, a good corner or just a good trash-talking player? Which one? Uh, let's, let's just go with trash-talking player. Ray Lewis. Man, this dude don't stop yapping. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, you got to make calls on D. You got to line people up. Yeah, yeah. You're every down backer. You got all your pregame shenanigans. Man, what was he on? Because then he would go out and just non-stop. I mean, that dude was, was straight. The record ball. Man, unbelievable. Um, who else? Um, who else? See, that's the thing. I ain't really get a lot of trash talking at my position. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Been a returner. You didn't really get all that. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I, you, you play with guys. I could hear them chirping with all the other guys, the offensive linemen, you know, the tight ends. Oh, they would be chirping. I just uh, like, man, this guy's unbelievable, man. Yeah, sometimes you have teammates that you just know from just being at practice and, and, and then knowing what he liked on the sideline and games, just always whooping. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Now, Dante, man, lastly, if you can sit and have – Dinner, man, just uh, you know, steak, bottle of red, just chill with two people dead or alive. Who would it be? Oh, that's easy. Michael Jordan and Jay Z. Oh, okay. That's what's Michael up. Michael Jordan and Jay Z. So I, I've never really been fanboys of too many things mm-hmm. or too many people, rather. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was that guy for me growing up as a kid, mm-hmm. and Jay Z is that guy for me now. And uh Give our audience your top five artists from Texas or H-Town. Okay, artists? Ooh. Okay, Beyonce, number one. Let's just start mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. And then number two, probably have to go with, Um, you said Texas or H-Town? Yeah, Texas or H-Town. I'm going UGK, number two. Uh-huh. Number three, I'm going to have to put, Scarface. Mm. Now, the whole Ghetto Boys or just Scarface? Scarface. Okay. So I'm going Beyonce, UGK, Scarface. Number four, Travis Scott. Okay, new breed. Okay. And then number five, I'm going to have to put Slim Thug right there. Slim Thug. Okay. I got Kiki, Big Pokey. Man, we got a lot. I'm going to have to go with. Paul Wall, yeah, it's a lot. But I'm yeah, going to have to yeah. just go with Slim Thug. 
Slim Thugger. Okay. Is what's the name from? Lil Wayne not from Texas, right? No, Lil Wayne from New Orleans. Yeah, that's why he wheezes. Some people say he was born in Texas. No, no, Lil, but, Lil Wayne, New Orleans. All the way, New Orleans. I know he represented New Orleans to the fullest. Weezy yeah. F. I know you was featured in one of his songs. They yeah, said, man. Uh, yeah, man. It's called, called. Reckon, Reckon, Reppin' Time. Yeah, yeah. Go off the X like Dante. Yeah, man. Ooh, when, he, <laughs> when, he did, when he dropped that one, oh, man, you can tell me nothing, right? Yeah. Oh, you can tell me nothing, but That's what's up, man. That's man. when he was at his highest highs, you know? Right, oh, right. I remember that. Easy. Mixed yeah. Easy. Yeah, man. Legend, man. Legend lyrically. It's, man, no. Weezy F, man, just, man, verbiage is ridiculous. He's still going, too. He's still doing it. Man, Dante Hall, ladies and gentlemen, man, man, it's been a pleasure, man, just chopping it up with you, man, giving me just the insight on your opinion and just your life, man. Uh, yes, sir. Um, thank you, man, just letting our audience know, man, and um, best of luck to you, man, and we'll catch you down the line. Dante okay, Hall, man, ladies and gentlemen. Fun chopping it up with you, too, man. I appreciate it, man. Rational Hour, man, another good show, man, another good guest. Rational Hour, out.